Okay, so today, y'all, we are finishing out this series on the church, and tomorrow, I mean, not tomorrow, (laughs) next Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to start a brand new series next week that I'm really excited about. It's called Rumors, okay? And all of us are familiar with rumors. Um, Some of us have probably shared a rumor. Some of us may have even started a rumor. Some of us have had some rumors spread about us, but few things about rumors, okay? Most of the time... They aren't true, and all of the time, they do damage. And so what we're going to do is I want to teach you a few rumors in the Bible. Did you know that there's a couple of rumors that people spread about the Bible? About what the Bible says and about what the Bible teaches? And chances are, not only have you heard some of these rumors, you may have even spread a couple of these rumors. So what we're going to do is for the next few weeks um, coming up in the next month, we're going to dive into some of these things that people claim are in the Bible that just aren't there. And again, the problem is not only are they not true, we want to be teachers and you know, uh, preachers of the truth of the gospel. Not only are they not true, but they end up doing more damage than good sometimes. So what are those rumors? Be here next Sunday, and we're going to dive into that. But for today, what we're going to do is we're going to finish out this series. And what we've been doing is we've been talking about the community. We've been talking about how important the church is, how important it is to gather together as the body of Christ. In the first week, let me take you just a little bit of a background, just in case you're new or you've missed out on some of this. The first week, we talked about why it's so important to be a part of a church family. The second week, we talked about uh, sharing our faith. And how we're called to share our faith together and bring people into the church community. And then the third week, we talked about how do we stay connected within the church community, right? Especially right now with everything and and everything being so different and feeling disconnected. What are some of the attitudes that we have that might disconnect us? And what are some of the attitudes that we can encourage that will keep us connected? That was the third week. And then last week, I talked about being a part of a team, Man, you want to you do something amazing, you, you want to be a part of something special, join a team, join a serving team, join a journey group here at the Ridge, join a Bible study, it's so important. And so now that you've caught, gotten caught up, let me get into today's message. And for today's message, I want to go to 1 Thessalonians. So if you've got your Bibles um, and you want to go there, that's where we're going to dive. We're, we're, we've been using a a lot of Paul's writings to the church, because Paul wrote a lot to the churches. He started a lot of churches, and, and he had a lot to teach those churches about what it meant to stay connected, right? To build that community. These were new churches that were starting, so he taught a lot about what it meant to build that community and stay together. And it's kind of appropriate for us in this series that we're in. So in this letter to the church in Thessalonica, Paul closes this letter out in a unique way. And he looks forward to the return of Jesus, the big day, the big day that Jesus is going to come again. And he talks about how some will be ready and how some will not. But he also talks about how quickly that day, uh, when it comes, when Jesus Christ returns, it's going to come quick and it's going to come sudden. And he uses something very unique to be able to describe it. He says it'll come like labor pains. It'll be sudden like labor pains. Now, of course, I've never experienced labor pains, obviously, right? But I do know from what Shannon has told me and from what others told me that they come quick. And I remember years ago, and I think I've shared this story, um, 
I remember years ago, there was a particular lady in our church that was past her due date, and she came into church one Sunday, and she came and she sat down right in front of me, just like these wonderful people are doing right here on the second row. And she was very pregnant, and she was ready to deliver, and so she, I get into my message, and she's just sitting there right in front of me, and every now and then during my sermon, she'd do one of these. And then about another five minutes, she'd push the other side, and she'd go, the whole time I'm preaching, and I'm just thinking to myself, God, please don't let her have this baby right here in church. Please don't. So I, I think I even skipped my third and fourth point. It was a short Sunday, and I was just like, let's pray. Let's be dismissed and get her to the hospital right now. But what Paul is saying is that it's going to come quick, right? He, he, he's talking about how sudden that day will be. We got to be aware. We got to be ready. Jesus is going to come in the twinkling of an eye. But he also reminds the church that he's writing to. He says, listen, you don't have to be afraid of it, okay? And the reason is because you already believe in Jesus, right? Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our salvation. For those that believe, it'll be different. For those who don't believe, well, it'll, it'll be a different type of judgment for them. But not for us. Not for those who have given their hearts to Christ. And he explains why, and this is where I want to pick it up. So if you've got your Bibles open, or if you've got your message notes open, go ahead and open up your message notes. Those of you who are online, thank you so much for joining us. Go ahead and open up your Ridge app and, and go to that place for the message notes, and we'll fill in some blanks together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, it says this. It says, for God chose, this is Paul talking to the church, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ and not to pour out his anger on us. Okay, so right here, those of us who are in Christ, we've been saved. Okay, there's no need to fear the return of Christ. There's no need to fear the anger of God. There's no need to fear the judgment. Why is that? It's because Christ is our Savior. We believe that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected, and because of his resurrection, he took the sins of us. He took our sins away. Therefore, we are under no penalty of that sin. We have been washed clean through the blood of Jesus, so that when he returns, we'll be able to be with our Lord and Savior forever. So keep reading verse 10. And he tells them this, Christ died for us, so that whether we are dead, whether you're dead or alive, when he returns, we get to live with him forever. This is so great, okay? For those that believe, we get to be taken to be with him. Another point in the same letter, if you go back and read, it's, it's not but five chapters long, if you go back and read the rest of this letter, he goes on to tell this church that when Jesus comes again, we'll be taken up to meet him in the air. How cool is that? If we're, if we're around when it happens, boom, right up to meet him in the air. I was thinking about, I always think about when I read that verse, I always think about my neighbor, Mr. Bill. I love Mr. Bill. I share stories about Mr. Bill all the time. But what you got to know about Mr. Bill is he's real old-fashioned. And I noticed this a while back, but he would lay, if he had some wet clothes, he'd, he'd change, and then he'd come and lay those wet clothes out in the driveway to dry. But before I knew that about him, I remember this was a long time ago, just moved in, and Mr. Bill's outside, and I'm outside, and I go around to the backyard, and about 30 minutes later, I come around to the front yard, and I look at his driveway, and I see all laid out in a row a shirt and some shorts and some socks and his shoes. And I saw that, 
And the first thought I had was I looked up and I said, why, Jesus? Why did you leave me? Bill's up in the air, and I'm down here with my leaf blower, right? And then when I realized that that wasn't the case, I wondered, where is Mr. Bill, and does he have his clothes on? <laughs> but he had gotten wet, and he had changed, and he just brought them out in the driveway to kind of let them air out. Um, but when that trumpet sounds, whether you're walking around Columbus, Georgia, whether you're buried in Columbus, Georgia, whether your ashes or on a mantle somewhere in Columbus, Georgia. The promise is that we will meet him and that we will live with Christ forever. So with all that in mind, he's closing this letter out and preparing them for that moment and reminding them of what's to come. So he has a word of advice for them. In the meantime, what does he tell them? How does he close this out? Verse 11, so he says this, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. So knowing that Jesus is going to come again, what do you do in the meantime, church? Well, what is Paul telling this church? Man, he's like, until that moment comes, man, build each other up. Encourage each other. Help each other grow to become more like Jesus Christ. You know, that's a huge part of being connected within the church family. So we got to help people grow spiritually. While we're on this earth, what God wants is God wants us to prepare for that moment that we meet Jesus in the air. He wants us to keep working on our character down here so that we're more prepared and we're ready for up there. And Paul does something very interesting here. Okay, he informs us, he reminds the church and he reminds us that we aren't meant to do this alone. This isn't something we do by ourselves. No, 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 no. We do this with each other. We encourage each other. We, we build up each other. The Bible doesn't teach that spiritual growth is supposed to happen just by ourselves. That's why I spent all week last week, that's why we've been in this series, and that's why I said all week last week about getting in a team and being part of one of those groups and how important that is. We need other people in our life if we want to grow spiritually and be the best we can be for that day that Christ returns. Now, 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 that brings up a question. Whenever I teach on this, I always think, why is it so important that we grow spiritually? Like, aren't I saved by the grace of God? Does it really matter what I... Doesn't he love us just as we are? I mean, isn't he going to take me anyway? And Yeah, of course. We are saved through the blood of Christ, through his grace, right? He, we're we're going to be with him. But we should have that desire to want to grow to want to prepare for that day because we want to give our best to the one who gave it all for us, right? It's just like the story of the talents. The, the owner, and some of y'all that are familiar with the Bible, you remember the story of the owner that, that loved his servants and he gave them and entrusted him, them with some money and he expected them to do something with it, right? Not be lazy with it, but to put it to work, to let it grow. And it's the same thing with our lives. God doesn't want us just to waste our time. I've accepted Christ. I don't have to do anything. I just kind of sit back and read. No, 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 no. That's not the point. That's not part of it. That's not what Scripture teaches us, right? We should be preparing for his return. He wants spiritual growth. And one of the best ways to grow spiritually is to encourage each other, to build each other up, to be connected together. 
So I'm excited about this because today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some practical ways that we can help each other with spiritual growth. And this, what I'm going to teach today, some of this is a little bit of a review. Some of you are going to be like, I've heard this before. This is nothing new. It's just something that needs to be, we need to be reminded of every now and then. Um, but this also, you can apply these things to other areas in your life. Okay, other family members or, or work relationships or, or school or, or wherever that is. But we're going to talk about it as it relates to the church and how to help each other grow. So how do we help each other grow in the faith? Number one, let me give you this, is affirmation. Okay, we got to affirm each other's worth. Okay, this is so important when it comes to spiritual growth. Because everybody is looking for affirmation. I don't know if you've noticed that lately. And if you haven't noticed it lately, just go on Facebook, right? I mean, go on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Everybody is looking for affirmation. And honestly, I can't judge. I do the same thing. I post something and then I go back to see how many likes it has. And then I wonder why I didn't get more likes, right? Everybody likes to be affirmed. And when you and I... When we take that time to affirm someone else, not, not, not just on social media, that's not what I'm talking about, but you, you know what I'm talking about. What it does is it builds them up. And it helps them grow. When we affirm each other, what we're doing is we're showing love. We're ministering just like Jesus did. And Jesus was so good at affirmation, right? And when Jesus affirmed, it made a huge difference. And when we do it, it makes a huge difference in someone else's life. It promotes growth. So, so how can we give more affirmation? Like, how can we be more affirming? Let me give you two things to think about. One is acceptance. This first one. Let's talk about acceptance for just a minute. Romans 15, 7 says, Christ accepted you, so you should accept each other, right? Just take a minute and think about everybody that we tend to neglect sometimes, that we don't necessarily accept, that we might turn away from, those people that just kind of get on our nerves. If we have been accepted by Christ, how dare we withhold that acceptance from anybody else? Now, I'm not saying you've got to be best friends with that person. <laughs> that might be different. But I, I am called, and we are called, to accept one another. And when you accept someone, it leads to growth. So in your small group, or in the church, or at school, who is it that you have a hard time with? Okay? If they're here with you, don't look at them right now. Don't make it awkward, okay? But who is that person? Maybe God wants to use you to help them grow spiritually. And it, it, here's what happens if you reach out and you accept them. Not only do they grow a little bit because of that affirmation, but you grow a little bit as well. You become more Christ-like. So who can you reach out to? The second one is attention, Attention. Another way we affirm others is just by giving them attention, not just acceptance. And this takes a little bit more effort, takes a little bit more discipline, it takes a little bit more time to do this. And the reason I say this is because you can accept someone, but you can still disregard them. You can still look over them, right? You can still ignore them. But when it comes specifically to the church family, we are called to give attention to each other. Because it offers that spiritual growth that we're looking for. Galatians 6.10, down here at the bottom, it puts it this way. It says, we should give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Those within our church, those that we're connected to. We should give special attention to them. Why? Because when you give something attention, it grows. It just does. You give your children attention, they grow. They grow healthy. 
a little while back, Shannon and I, we, uh, well, I'm not allowed to say we anymore. Shannon um, planted some bushes out in the front yard. And um, she gives them a lot of attention. And you should see when we come home sometimes, we've, we've gone through this summer and everything, and we're just watching them grow. And sometimes we will just stand in front of them and we will dote over them like they're our children. And we'll just look at them and like, look how big this one's getting. And this one's so great. Look at this one with the flowers. He's just showing off. But the reason they grow is because they get attention, right? So maybe, who gets overlooked in your life? Maybe look for an opportunity to give someone more of your time. When it comes to this first point, people just need to be affirmed. And a great way to do that is by accepting them and paying attention to them. And it's extremely important within the church family. These two things, if we do these two things, and we affirm people, Not only does it help them grow, but it helps us grow as well. And that's what we're after. We're after spiritual growth. Let's look at point number two. Point number two is prayer. Okay, we got to be in prayer. We should pray for spiritual growth. This is so important. In another letter, Paul writes to the church living in Colossae about one of their own church members, okay? He writes about this guy named Epiphras, okay? Um, And he says this about Epiphras, which, by the way, is one of my favorite names in the Bible. I love it. Epiphras. I just like saying it. Epiphras, he says this. He says, Epiphras always prays for you that you will grow to be spiritually mature and have everything that God wants for you. Paul uses this guy and he's like, look, this guy's awesome. Okay, this guy's a part of your congregation. I want you to know he's praying for you, but not only is he praying for you, but he's praying for your spiritual growth. That's what he wants. And you know, we know it's important to be in prayer. Right? We know how important prayer is. We did a whole series on prayer and how to pray and why we pray and the times that we should pray, all that kind of stuff. Right? We know we should be in prayer. And we know that prayer is more than just about us taking our needs and concerns, that we need to be in prayer for other people and not be just focused on ourselves, but go to God on behalf of others. We talked about that during our volunteer worship this morning, praying for, being that someone that goes to Jesus on behalf of other people. But when we do go to other people, when we go to Jesus on behalf of someone else, it's hard to remember sometimes to pray for their spiritual growth. And the reason I say that, and this, this happens with me too, is because most of the time I, I'm concentrated on their needs, right? You know, um, healing or physical needs or, or financial needs or, or whatever, whatever that may be. But how many times do we just stop and pray for spiritual growth? And you know what's so interesting is that the Bible is filled with instances of people praying for someone's spiritual growth. In fact, what I've done in your message notes, when you have time this afternoon, everybody online or those that are here, look at your message notes this afternoon and go through these verses. I've laid out a couple of verses here for you to read on your own. And this is all about, like these verses are kind of a how-to guide when it comes to praying for someone's spiritual growth. In Ephesians 3, 18 through 19, it's all about praying for someone to know God's love. Some of y'all know this verse. It talks about how deep and how wide and how high the love of God. Who do you know in your life that needs more of God's love, that needs to know that God loves them? Pray for that. Pray for that spiritual growth. Hebrews 13, 21 is all about doing what's right. Parents, we want our children to do what's right. Right? People that are in the work environment, we want those that we work with to to be people filled with integrity. Right? Maybe we pray for that. 
Pray for that type of spiritual growth. Romans 15, 13, it talks about joy and peace. We all know people who need more joy and peace in their life. Maybe pray that God would give them the hope that they need, that they would learn to trust God more so that they can find that hope and peace that they need. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5 is all about love and patience. Oh my goodness. Do I need patience? How many of y'all need patience? Let me see. Be careful. You pray for it. God gives you more opportunities to be patient. Okay, that's what I've learned. How many people do we know that need more patience? Pray for that spiritual growth to happen. There are so, here's the point. So many ways that we can pray for spiritual growth. So maybe in your small group, grab somebody and pray with them on behalf of someone else. But pray for someone's spiritual growth and see what happens. All right, the last point. It's, uh, i got to warn you, this one's a little different. It might take you by surprise. But point number three is confession. Okay, and here's what I mean by confession. We've got to be willing to admit our mistakes. And the reason I bring this up is because if we're talking about spiritual growth, when you get into a group, when you are with one another, and we admit our mistakes to each other, what happens is that we build community. We build intimacy. We have greater and better relationships. So the brother of Jesus, James, he puts it this way. He says, confess your sins. To who? He says, to each other. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that God can heal you. This translation says your sins, but other translations also say just tell the truth with what you're dealing with. Tell the truth about what's going on. The point is, is to tell the truth and confess your fears and your doubts and your hang-ups. And uh, let me give this disclaimer. I'm not saying that you got to just automatically go out there and confess your deepest, darkest moments and sins. No, no, no. When I say confess, when I'm talking about this, I'm just saying confess what's going on in your life. That's a type of confession. For example, if you're in a group or you're with people and you just say, listen, I'm worried about fill in the blank. That's a confession. Or I'm feeling lonely because fill in the blank. That's a confession. Or how about this one? I'm having a hard time forgiving someone because... Like, I don't know why I'm feeling depressed, but I feel depressed and I think it's because... You know, all of those things are confession. And the point is, is that when we're open and we're honest about what's going in and on in our life to one another, what it does is it draws us closer to each other. Draws you closer to them, it draws them closer to you. And there's a couple of benefits when it comes to confession. If we can learn to do this, learn to grow this way, here's, one, here's, here's the points. Um, one is emotional healing. Okay, now... In that verse that James says, it's very interesting. He says that we are to confess our sins, our problems to each other. James doesn't say to confess your sins to God. He doesn't say confess your sins to Jesus. Now, does that mean he doesn't think that we should? No, of course not, right? We're not going to read something in the text that's not there. But what he's doing is he's saying, listen, there's something very powerful when we learn to confess to one another, And he goes on to say that there's a type of healing that comes. And I I think there's this type of emotional healing that happens. You see, forgiveness and and emotional healing are two different things. When we want to be forgiven, of course, we go to God, we go to Jesus, and we lay those things at the feet of of our Savior, and, and, and we are forgiven of those sins. But if we want healing, of course, God can do that. But he's also wired us to help each other. 
or that type of emotional healing that we need. So maybe when it comes to this, we don't start out by telling everyone everything. But when we decide to tell someone something, the spiritual growth we receive is that it helps us grow. Because all of a sudden we have other people that are helping us carry that load. Jesus wants to carry that load, and we have people within the church community that want to help carry that load, and that, that, that helps bring the healing we need. Another thing is that it gives us a fresh start. There's spiritual growth because it helps us when we admit those mistakes and we receive help from the community to be able to start again. And one of the best ways, one of the best ways we can help someone with their spiritual growth is helping them understand that they've been forgiven. And they've got a new future. That God is still, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, one of the most helpful things in a small group is to help someone understand the forgiveness of God because even though we go to God and we feel like we've confessed to him and we feel like we've been forgiven, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to forgive ourselves. And we have a hard time getting over what we've done and we keep tripping up uh, over our mistakes and we keep allowing that past to dictate where we head into the future. And we need help. And sometimes it takes those people around us to help us grow in our spiritual walk with Christ to realize that we've been forgiven and we need to forgive ourselves. So when someone confesses, what we don't do is we don't rub it in and we don't make them feel guilty for it. No, no, no. What we need to do is help them realize that there's still hope. That today is a new day. We have a fresh start. Sometimes people just need to be reminded that God still loves them and so do we. That that God hasn't given up on them and neither have we. And there's spiritual growth that happens when we are able to confess and realize that together. And then the last one is we have deeper fellowship. We have deeper fellowship when it comes to confession. Now, how does this work? Um, let, Let me just show you what happens. When I walk in here on Sunday mornings, everything is dark. Robbie, hit hit lights for me. Everything just goes completely dark. Now, you still got the glow of the TV, you still got the monitor, all that kind of stuff, but I am walking around, tripping over myself, trying to figure out, you know, not to fall off the stage and all that kind of stuff. Now, it would be weird if we held church like this, right? It, not a whole lot of fellowship, not, not a whole lot that we can do. Everything is just kind of hidden in the dark. Now, if we turn the lights all the way up, Robbie, turn them all the way up for me. Oh, there we go. Hey, there you are. I see everybody. (laughs) Now everybody's exposed. Now what we can do is we can fellowship with one another. Hey, Robbie, I think I just woke some people up. Let's go back to normal. There we go. See, when the lights are out, when when we keep things in the dark, they're kind of hidden. Can't really see them. But when we bring them into the light, they're exposed more, right? And it's the same thing with us. Sometimes we think that we confess to each other. We have a hang-up with doing that because we believe the myth that if we're open about our fears and if we're open about our problems, that people are going to think less of us. But the opposite is actually true. When we're willing to bring that stuff out of the darkness and into the light, it builds greater fellowship. We're able to see each other a little better in that moment. Because the more honest you are, The more people like you, the more honest you are, the more people can relate to you. The more honest you are, the more people want to be around you. There's greater fellowship when we step into the light. 
And you know what? I've been in so many small group situations. And in fact, this happened just to me this past week. Somebody took a moment in a group to share a confession, to share a problem. Then you know what that group didn't do? You know, they didn't freak out. They, They didn't try to kick the person out. No, but every time it's ever happened in the past, and when it happened this past week, what it does is it brings that group closer together. There's more fellowship. There's more spiritual growth for everybody, definitely for the person sharing, but also for the group that is there hearing and able to care for them. So as we finish this series out on the church, the idea of community, being involved in a church family, within a group within the church, man, it's so very important. And I want this church to be a place here where we accept everyone, where we pray for each other, and where we are so closely connected that we are willing to confess to one another. Because when we do, there's growth. We are better together. And Paul would remind us that Jesus is coming again. And when Jesus comes again, we want to be ready. And we want to present ourselves the best we possibly can. But in order for that to happen, that can't happen on our own. We were made to be connected to one another, to be a part of the body of Christ. That's how we grow. So with that being said, I've been taking a moment these past couple weeks to share with you how you can get connected here at the church. And those of you that are online, we've got some online opportunities for you to be connected as well. Let let me walk through just a couple of those before we close in prayer. One of those is in our volunteer teams. We have so many different areas working on Sunday mornings and just serving together and being a part of a team together. We have so much fun doing that together. We have 10 o'clock worship for our volunteers for 15, 20 minutes, and then we but then we send everybody out to their various areas of ministry and they just have a wonderful time together. There's a way that you can connect with a volunteer team on the Ridge app or online. And we got journey groups going on right now. We're registering. Our small group session is starting up and we got a couple of things to offer. We got a Zoom Sunday night pastor study. We're gonna be working through the book of James together. Just such a practical book that teaches us how to live out our Christian faith. If you want to be a part of that community, Sunday nights on Zoom, I'm doing that so that not only can we stay connected during this crazy time that we're in, but so everybody online can be connected as well. We got men's groups. We got women's groups meeting. We have a new group called Starting Point that I want you to know about. We, we've got a family that's going to be teaching those that are brand new to the church that just want to find connections. They don't know anybody, but they want to be a part of something. We've got three families already signed up for this, and it's going to happen at 9.30 on Sunday mornings before church. It'll be a wonderful start to a small group experience. You can also start a group of your own. If you've got a couple friends, all it takes is one or two sets of friends. Bring them over to the house. We have resources. We'll help you get set up so that you can have your own group. And then we also have a serving team that meets once a month to feed the homeless at Rose Hill. And then the other way to get connected is our growth tracks. We got 101 membership, we got 201 for spiritual growth, and we've got Essentials 301 when we talk about spiritual gifts. If you want to be a part of one of those groups, we'd love to have you. All of those can be found online to sign up, okay? But make sure, make sure when it comes to this church family that you're connected because we want you to grow. We want you to grow to become more Christ-like here at the Ridge. Let's pray together. Jesus, We just thank you for this church family. 
We thank you for the opportunities we have to be connected to such a wonderful group. And we thank you for the reminder this morning of the spiritual growth that happens when we gather together. How it draws us closer to each other. But also, God, how it draws us closer to you. And Jesus, we want to do everything we can to keep growing in our faith so that we are ready to present ourselves in the best possible way when we stand before you. And Jesus, we can't wait for that day. But until that day comes, we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep gathering together. And we're going to keep worshiping you because it's so important. And especially after everything you've done for us, Jesus, we want to do our best for you. And God, we also just take a minute to lift up the concerns and the prayers for others. We pray for those that are in the path of the hurricane. God, would you just be with them, protect them, keep them safe. God, for those in Afghanistan, please shield them from harm. Send your guardian angels to surround them and give wisdom and guidance to those who are in charge. God, for those who are fighting wildfires out west, and God, we've got some within our own church family that are fighting those fires, God. We pray for wisdom and guidance in dealing with that disaster. Jesus, with everything going on around us, we long for your return. But until that day comes, God, may we do our best to live for you, to serve you, and to build your kingdom here on this earth. And Jesus, we also pray that you would bless these tithes and offerings for you and for your kingdom. And God, bless this congregation. And God, bring us back together to worship again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, one thing real quick before I let you go. Uh, please be in prayer for everything that's happening around us, of course. And also, if you'll take a minute and grab one of these Connect cards on your way out. If you don't register by Connect card, make sure you register online so that we know that you're worshiping with us. If anybody's first-time visitors, we've got a free gift for you at the information table. Please stop by. And if you have um, offering this morning, the baskets will be lo located right outside those exit doors. Um, the rest are very familiar with the PayPal option on the Ridge app and on the website. Thank you so much for supporting your church family. I love y'all. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week for a brand new series.